So I reckon it's safe to say we're at this tipping point when it comes to community health in Australia. So you think about it, a patient leaves a hospital setting where all of the care is coordinated by different providers within those four walls, but then they go home to recover, but they still need care. Providers need to visit, telehealth consults need to happen. How do you coordinate all of that in a way that is compliant and financially appropriate and safe for everybody, but also effective so information is there for the providers. They know what they're doing and patients know when things are going to happen and what happens next. Well, today I'm talking with the CEO of Global Health Limited, Michael Davies. And in this episode, we'll talk about adjusting care pathways for future trends. We'll talk about the challenges and opportunities about the current landscape of more healthcare being delivered at home. We'll talk about the role that technology plays in all of that and how providers might not necessarily need to settle for technology mediocrity in the interest of interoperability. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Michael Davies. He's the CEO of Global Health Limited, who creates software solutions that connect patients with their care teams across a range of healthcare settings. In particular, their Mastercare Plus, Hot Health, Referral Net, and Lifecard solutions are connecting patients and carers across aged primary mental health and community services across the country. Michael was recently appointed as CEO and they're poised for the next stage of growth. Hey, Michael, how are you going? Really good, Pete. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to to chat and great to learn a bit more about you and what Mm -hmm. you're doing. Tell us about you and your background, please, firstly. Yeah, sure. So I've had a few careers now. Uh, My first one was in the hotel industry. So I managed uh, five-star hotels, both here in Australia and in the UK. So I was a concierge in Melbourne. So I'm always about two pints away from inappropriate stories uh, from the (laughs) hotel game. I'll warn you of that now, Pete, if we ever ever have a beer. Uh, And then stepped across from that career into ICT and worked in the telecommunications sector and then across the last decade or so with Macquarie Telecom and moved into cloud hosting and cybersecurity and some activity and exposure in federal government there and had some amazing opportunities. David Tudor Hope runs an astonishing company over there and he's afforded me with opportunities to get overseas and spend a lot of time in Silicon Valley and in the UK exploring those tech sectors. And I've crossed over with health in a range of different ways over the last 20 years. So I was very excited when Matthew, our founder, started a conversation with me and afforded me the opportunity to take over the mantle from him and step global health forward. That's what brought us to today. Yeah, yeah, because Matthew founder originally and been in the role for a long time, right? For those that Yeah, Matthew's been founder and CEO of the business for just on 30 years. And he's still very active inside the business as well in terms of our MA strategy. But he and I both saw a real potential to start taking the business in a slightly different direction and my expertise helps us down that journey, I would hope. Mm, mm. I also find it interesting too when people have got a career that's gone down different pathways and you know everyone's got their unique journey to get to this point but it always influences how they kind of work and, and operate when they've you know all those little experiences or different focuses like from the concierge side through to the financial elements and all the different bits and pieces to it comes together nicely for health I guess it's mm. uh, an area that requires all those moving parts. 
I think starting in an absolute customer service focused sector sets you up. And the hospitality sector is a great grounding for many, many people's careers. It's where you learn to interact with humans on scale and to really understand what good service is. And I hope to, I think I do bring that through the mm. various industries I've worked in since. Yeah. Okay. And so global health, it's mm. been around for a while as we've just heard and a name that probably some people in the know would be aware of, but it operates sometimes quite behind the scenes. Tell us a bit more about what it is and the main problems that you're solving. Yeah, sure. We're probably best known as Mastercare, interestingly, mm. which is our EMR product. And we deliver services in mental health and community health with that EMR. So we really specialize in health organizations that are providing a whole lot of different services to patients. So if you think of community health, you've got psychologists, physiotherapists, GPs, dietitians, a whole range of different clinical specialties all providing services to patients. And so you need an EMR that will allow multiple care teams to support a patient through various health care pathways that they're traveling down. So our EMR really focuses on that and then pulls out the minimum data set extracts that those organizations need to address their funding. And in Australia, we have a really interesting funding model. There's 30 or different funding mechanisms that a community health organization may draw down on, and each of them need a specific format delivered in a particular way when the moon's in the right position, uh, yeah. and then you get your funding. So our software helps do that and also maintain that single clinical record. So that's Mastercare, and we're providing that for large regional community health organisations. We provide that for the West Australian Mental Health Council, for the delivery of AOD services and a range of other customers around the country. That's Mastercare. The, the second main product we provide is patient administrative software for hospitals. And we really specialise in private hospitals, so day surgeries, rehab centres, so really helping them with managing patients into the facility the actual care that they receive and the administrative functions there and then the discharge process. So they're probably our two core products. And then we have a number of pieces around the edge. So secure messaging, centralized e-referral intake for organizations that want to manage a lot of referrals coming through, and then a digital front door, which is really what we're seeing emerging in our sector. So that's things like online booking and telehealth, which feel dime a dozen now. They used to be innovative. But it's also custom forms. So how can we get a, a form out to a patient before they arrive to check COVID status or that they've taken the right dietary requirements before they attend a hospital for a procedure like a colonoscopy, for example? So there's that form piece, and then that extends out to group events and allows a health centre perhaps to say, I want to communicate an event to all my type 1 diabetics in this country region so that they can attend. And so it, it allows that push out to cohorts or communities as well. And the last part's a consumer application. How do we tie it all together? Because at the end of the day, we all talk about the patient being at the centre of it, but most of our systems are built around the clinician. So we built out our consumer app so that medical notes, clinical records, care plans, other things that we might want to share with a patient can actually be pushed through to their app and importantly they can share it with their carers so for example if i had an elderly parent who was receiving care they can share their life card with me and i can see that the district nurse has been that particular appointments were booked or particular exercises were requested and i can be involved in that care which is one thing our, our medical system struggles to do involve family and carers in in the care of a patient 
Yeah. So that was, that was a lot of talking, but we're trying to get from one end to the other. Yeah, no, that's a nice way to put it too. And and I want to talk a little bit more a bit later probably about managing all those different moving parts and how they come together and how to do that effectively. So that'd be really interesting in itself. But I'm keen to dive a bit more into the, the actual landscape that you're operating in. You know, you've, you've mm. touched on what it facilitates a little bit more in terms of each aspect of those different products. But, you know, in this current climate with more healthcare being delivered at home. Talk to me about some of those considerations that you think that care providers, whether it's the clinicians or elsewhere in in Asia and other sectors, those care providers need to make in delivering healthcare in this, I guess, new environment that we have. Mm -hmm. It's been amazing. And look, COVID has been a catalyst for a lot of this activity, but the government with their better at home initiatives have already been steering us in this direction of improving care outside of centralised facilities. COVID brought that to life really because it was incredibly hard to get into those facilities over the last couple of years. But once we move out into field and, and look, our community health customers have been doing this for a long time and it's called district nursing. And they've been rostering and organising nurses to get out and managing the logistics of that for a long, long time. But you're probably not surprised to know a lot of district nurses are picking up the plastic tub at the hospital with all of their records for the day's work and off they go with that in the boot and they're pulling out a paper medical record. That is still common practice. So how does that practically work as we scale more and more care in the home? We've got a massive backlog of elective surgery at the moment throughout this country and that means a whole lot of public and private hospitals are trying to work out how can we free up the bed in the ward you know, our operating theatres are a little bit static. We can only move as many patients as we practically can through there. But if we can minimise their recovery inside our ward, we can improve the flow and remove that backlog of elective surgery faster. But how do you manage a hip replacement recovery out in the home? Uh, now, that's where community health are quite often involved. But let's walk that through. There's probably a wound dressing. So there's a, a nurse coming out for wound dressing. There'd be a physiotherapist by day two coming out to get you up and make sure you get moving. There may be some telehealth consult for pain meds to help manage pain. That care plan and management as it leaves the hospital facility, that's hard. And hospitals haven't historically been built for that. Interestingly, and, and we're going to have to challenge our government frameworks, they're also not motivated to do that. Their payment stops when the patient leaves the hospital, with the exception, of course, of maternity, if you go to a defined hotel for the management of that care cycle. So what does that all mean? If we want to get patient-centred, reduce our cost, and manage the logistics of more care occurring in a dispersed manner, we need to think through the compliance that we manage inside the medical facility today and how do we extend that out? How do we do that minimum data set capture so that the medical institution can get paid when it's out in the field. How do we manage safety? We're pushing more and more clinical staff out into environments where we don't have OHS control. So how are we going to manage that safety and that capture of information? And how are we giving them that insight at point of care? How can the physiotherapist who's been scheduled to arrive to uh, a hip replacement or recovery patient know enough detail in the medical record when they arrive at that site? to provide adequate and appropriate care and push their notes back into that single medical record. It's not something that hasn't been solved in the institution, 
but there's another layer of complexity once you disperse it and push it out into the field. And it's interesting too, you use the the strong visual image of picking up the tub of patient records, which, you know, many listening probably be familiar in some way or another. And what's interesting is that, you know, when people are in that position and providing care and you present them with a solution, say, hey, you could do it all on an iPad now, how good's that? And then kind of, you know, brush mm. the hands. It doesn't solve the problem and a lot of people become, you know, relieved when they could go back to the the big tub of bits of paper. And when people revert back to paper and feel relieved, I feel like we've kind of missed the mark when it comes to technology and healthcare. So that aspect of, you know, usability from the care provider's point of view is really important too. Mm. And it plays through in the familiarity of clinicians with particular software formats. So we spend a lot of time working on the under the bonnet of the software mm to improve the way workflows work for clinicians and data extracts work, an enormous amount of time there. We're very careful not to change the front end too much because what many of us would think of as a really exciting, cool, innovative, different front end actually equals change resistance. And yeah, we don't need that. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't give yeah. me that. I'm quite happy if it looks like Windows 8. I'm familiar yeah. with that format. So it's really interesting in that regard. We've got to be careful we don't put too much shine on the front end and that we evolve our users from what they're accustomed to carefully. Yeah. I even remember doing little things, particularly with apps as well. And, you know, as an app developer, you bring in all the modern kind of things about, you know, back when Apple brought in the swipe down to refresh thing and everyone just knew to do that, Mm. you implement that in an app for clinicians. And like, I'd prefer a button to click refresh, you know, like all those things that if you're not speaking to your end users, you kind of don't know these things. And it's probably not the place to be, you know, being innovative in healthcare is really important, but choosing the right areas to do that. And like you say, under the hood's a really good place to do it. Mm, mm. It's uh, it's an interesting part of planning that software journey, and certainly we're doing that. We have these single tenant deployments for health facilities because there's still, interestingly, a strong preference towards single tenant deployment for survivability and security profile. But SaaS is a little bit inevitable. Uh, so how do we build out modular enhancements inside a SaaS platform so we can start easing a user group across? to alternate forms of functionality and, you know, clicking buttons differently, as you describe. And I think, you know, we've touched on this a little bit already, but let's dive into it a bit more specifically. You know, with this changing environment that we're in, technology obviously plays a very big role in all of this. Where do you see some of the main priorities for technology companies at the moment that are supporting care providers in delivering healthcare in these new environments? Mm. The challenge we have in this sector is quite fragmented systems. So Australia, for size, is a remarkably deep market of competition in the health sector in terms of software. And it comes from just how innovative Australian companies are and how willing to adopt innovation many health organisations in Australia are. And that's created that environment. So it's a good thing, but it creates some challenges. Um, We aren't good historically at creating interoperability. And so many health organisations have found wonderful niche solutions for particular problems, but then tied themselves in knots getting those particular wonderful niche applications to talk to other applications in their environment. And so our larger organizations have walked the frustrating path that we'll buy it all from one and we'll accept mediocrity in the interest of interoperability from one party. Mm. Incredibly frustrating to me as a small Australian company trying to get some cut through. There's 
so much Aussie know-how and so much Aussie innovation. And I don't think in this sector we're putting enough oxygen in there for those businesses to flourish. And the only way we'll do it is to drive an interoperability standard. And that, frankly, has to be the FIRE API model. So a global standard API regime that allows everyone to understand how to draw information out and put information into systems. And that's the challenge for our government, and it needs to be part of the way we procure. As health organisations, it needs to be one of those things. You should be ISO compliant on you know, a series of the different levels. So I don't think anyone who's not ISO 27001 should be considered in a health organisation at this stage from a security perspective. And you should be fire API enabled and built. If we can achieve that, we achieve a playing field that Australian companies can grow in. That's a really interesting conversation because, you know, when you're operating in the space, particularly for some of these early stage startups who have a bit more, I guess, permission and also creativity to innovate and move fast and do things and perhaps partner with the larger organizations that have that ability to do things at scale and, and execute for those organizations at the early stage and even some of the more established ones just with lower resources, especially if they're operating in spaces with low margins or whatever it might be, the ability to invest in compliance or becoming ISO accredited or certified is prohibitive. Mm. So how do you find that balance between being, I guess, clinically and, and from a governance point of view appropriate while at the same time still allowing for innovation? By creating room for people to develop out their solution, if they can interconnect on a consistent method to the other software platforms that have that compliance, then mm. they can manage that compliance around the medical record without having to carry that burden themselves. And that's where interoperability unlocks the opportunity for them. Yeah. I feel like that's a really important part. And that brings in that conversation about the power of collaboration and partnerships and everything within the space, because you can have different partners that play to their strengths. You've got the really potentially agile or thinking differently. You know, usually it's a founder coming from the space, solving for a problem, but probably not got the structure and the potentially capital and everything needed to scale it, but to be able to partner with an organization in a structured way to then, you know, have that control around it, that kind of does set a bit of a framework that, yeah, I feel like we're somewhat missing at the moment in this space. So something like that could certainly assist. Yeah, I think you look at some of the really clever innovation that's occurring and what startups do and do really well is define a problem they can solve and solve it better than anyone else. And as soon as they do that, customers start consuming their solution. But what happens after a customer starts consuming their solution? They say, I've got this other problem or it'd be so much better if you also did. <laughs> um, I've been looking at what you're solving for me and now this other company does that and does this as well. So you end up in this startup conundrum of do I stay pure to my mission that I only do thing A or do I listen to my customers, God forbid, uh, and start doing B, yeah, and C and D and all of a sudden you end up in that. Because it's technically possible, yeah, we could totally add that little bit. Yeah. And, uh, Engineers yeah. go, great, that sounds challenging and hard and that'll take a long time, let's do that. So in an environment where solutions interoperate better for that startup, they can address that other need through partnering. Mm. They can maintain the purest approach they're taking to the use case they're solving for, the problem they're solving for, 
and still manage those customer expectations without having to divert themselves and distract their resource. And that allows that purest strategy to really develop. That's the environment we need to create for each other in the Australian market. Nice one. I like it. Thinking then, looking internally for a second at global health, you mentioned there's a few different products within the suite. And I guess it kind of comes off the back of that conversation there. How do you manage the different kind of focuses and different paths? Do different elements of each product kind of leverage off each other or are they quite different solutions in and of themselves? How does that kind of work? Yeah, that's been part of what I was brought in to think through. We have seven products. Mm. We go to market with seven brands, seven websites. But what do we do? I spent a lot of time trying to work out what we did before I joined the company. Tying that together and making that a simpler solution set is part of what we've been focused on. Where it's taken us to and what we're going to spend the next 18 months doing is taking apart our EMR and our PaaS solutions and building them as modules in our SaaS platform, and we call that Mastercare Plus. We've been on that journey for a little while. And what our intention is, is that health organisations can consume the modules or sections they need. So if an organization right now needs to solve for a mental health clinical support solution, let's say they've taken over supporting a headspace region and they need to now address a mental health solution, they shouldn't have to buy the entire suite of a large American software package to address that narrow focus. So we want to provide that in a modular fashion and they can just bolt on the sections they want. We're seeing our hospital customers saying, actually, we need something that's closer to an EMR for certain functions inside the hospital. We need to manage a clinical record of care now, particularly if that care is going to extend outside our hospital. We're going to have to manage a medical record. Can you give us a PAS, but can we have these parts of an EMR now too? To do that, we will build our platform out further than we already have so that the future will be our customers consuming the sections of our capability they want And if there's something they want from a partner, that partner can interoperate with those modules using Fire APIs, and we'll bring them onto a platform that gives them that security compliance and that standardized regime. So they're not building all of the infrastructure they'd need to, to be able to reach these types of customers. That's our vision for where we're going over the next few years. I like it. I like it a lot. And so, look, Michael, you've got a bit of background experience in technology as well in that vast career of yours and keeping an eye on things. Are there any organisations or innovations within the technology space that you think are pretty cool that you'd be keen to dive into a bit more? Yeah, look, if people want a few great Aussie innovators that I think are doing really cool things at the moment, I'd go and have a look at Motio and what they're doing with patient interaction inside the medical practice. So that's M-O-T-I-O. I'd have a look at Halo. H-A-Y-L-O and what they're doing in aged care, really cool. Um, yeah, there was an episode with Simon recently on the podcast. We'll have yeah, to get that back in. For the yeah, there was. Yep. Healthily and the content they're producing and their content libraries, again, yeah. really cool business. And a little emerging startup, Healthy Life, which I think is quite exciting and what they're doing with yeah. D2C Consumer. And then for just an outside of Australia, one that I think is astonishing, go have a look at Bina, B-I-N-A-H dot A-I, an Israeli company, and they're doing amazing diagnostics from video recording. So really interesting addition to telehealth for blood pressure, pulse, et cetera, of just simple video recording of telehealth. Really cool stuff. 
Yeah, the telehealth diagnostic space is really interesting, isn't it? Like the um, the ability to turn the phone into a diagnostic tool is such a mind-blowing opportunity. But I might have to ask future guests for any other innovative technology. If, if you were to do an episode of the podcast, who would you have on? And I think there's some great ones to check out. No, and in the interest of partnership and learning from uh, what's in the space, I think that's great. Thank you. Look, if there's one thing I think you're doing, you're creating a community amongst tech organizations and how do we mobilize that and turn it from just one way us listening to each other over your podcast how can that become a bit more of a community and i think this kind of shout out might be one way we can create that and then lastly to kind of round out the conversation then you know that vision it's pretty clear and pulling together those bits and allowing kind of this modular approach to solving some of the problems what's going to be the Boots on the ground, getting it done in 2022. What's the particular focus this year and what can we see from global health in particular? Yeah, and to the conversation we've had, more mobility. How do we extend Mm. what we've built to work in facilities and get it out on the road? So we'll make some announcements very soon on how that's going to work and particularly how it works, whether you have internet coverage or not, because many of our regional customers don't necessarily always have high bandwidth mobile internet to run with. So this needs to work whether you've got internet coverage or not. As I mentioned, inpatient EMR for our hospitals, how do we extend out a light, customized version of an EMR inside a PaaS system for a hospital? And digital front door for our community health and mental health customers. They want their patients to be able to book, send out forms, push out care plans, get the information back in, and not just as a fax type, PDF type, receipt, but atomic data. How can the patient fill it out and it goes and populates their patient record so people Mm. aren't double entering? That's what we're going to focus on as well. Love it. Well, look, I'll I'll put the details for Global Health in the show notes of this episode for people to check out. Also on the Talking Health Tech website, you've got a directory listing there with some sub-listings as well for some of the other solutions there as well. And I know that the team are busy regularly posting content on there. So check that out when you can. Look, Michael, I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. Go make it happen.